So, good morning, everybody. My name is Mark Coleman. I'm one of the Spirit Rock teachers. Very happy to be here on this lovely rainy day. Thank you for making the time. All beings, thank you for making the time. something very lovely about sitting in the rain. It seems like what we should be doing, <laughs> not running around like we normally do. Just slow down, get quiet, listen, breathe. Pause. Pause from our usual busy complex lives that are running around, doing and chasing things. So we get to, we get to rest today. We get to do, have a whole day of doing nothing except being present, or at least cultivating the quality of Presence, awareness, mindfulness. So I hope you can relax and ease into the day and feel the, the nourishment and the regeneration, the regenerative nature of that. You know, this, these ideas of retreats are... Um, designed and in every spiritual tradition has some kind of retreat that we retreat from our lives in a very healthy way, not in a defeatist way, but in a proactive way to take some time to look a little deeper, to study, to reflect, to meditate, to, in this case, develop the art of mindfulness, of awareness, And apparently it's a pretty vogue thing to do right now. If you're reading Time magazine, <laughs> the, front cover, the front cover of Time magazine, I don't know, last week, a couple of weeks ago, was called The Mindful Revolution. So you are all mindful revolutionaries. <laughs> Subversive. <laughs> little to, little to, some people know how subversive mindfulness actually is, because it really is revolutionary. It's a revolutionary way of being and seeing and knowing and living, contra to our usual, more unconscious way of being. How many people saw that The Time magazine? A few of you. Obviously not Time readers here at Spare Rock. <laughs> But it's interesting to me to see how um, pervasive mindfulness is becoming. When a student of mine uh, lives in, I don't know, in the Midwest somewhere, and she had her 14-year-old daughter said, and she, she's a medi um, the mom's a meditator, so please turn your cell phones off, please, if you haven't done already. 
Um, and her, her daughter, 14-year-old daughter said, Mom, you're so cutting edge. Look, it's on the front of time. <laughs> I don't think her teenage daughter generally says that about her mom, but... <laughs> Yeah, and it's, so it's interesting times. I started meditating maybe 30 years ago in England, in London, and mindfulness was not cutting edge. <laughs> it was cutting weird. <laughs> and it was obscure, and it was enfolded in, in, in within Buddhist teaching. And uh, was, um, yeah, I, people thought I was weird. You know, I dropped out of college, and my family thought I'd really gone nuts and joined a cult. And it was a downward spiral from there on in. And uh, so, and then, in, you know, 30 years later, you see it's becoming part of the fabric of psychology and many psychotherapies and healthcare um, protocols and um, part of curriculum in schools and um, being taught by Tim Ryan on Capitol Hill, teaching mindfulness classes to a bipartisan meditation group. <laughs> Let's hope some wisdom arises out of that. I'm not holding my breath, but... Um, so it's really, you know, it's, and the, the, it's making its way into business, and, you know, numerous, most tech companies in Silicon Valley, and innumerable companies are now taking on mindfulness for various reasons, you know, stress and leadership development, and, um, and there's an amazing amount of research happening in mindfulness. There's now maybe four or five hundred research studies a year, which is a huge amount of studies. And with some, you know, tracking wonderful um, benefits from the practice for attention and focus and uh, mental health uh, uh, issues, ADD, ADHD, and eating disorders, and many, many other fields being studied. So it's interesting times to be studying. So you're all cutting edge. <laughs> and um, as 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 when anything becomes a fad, which uh, sadly it has become a fad, mindfulness, it's the current vogue in many different disciplines, um, it's easy to lose touch with its roots and its depth and its profundity and its scope. And because it's, it, gets, it gets sold as it's as good as a quick fix for fill in the blank, attention or concentration or ADD or, but of course it has much in its, its origins from the Buddhist tradition is it has a lot of um, profundity to what it can allow us to realize and experience in our lives. So before I go on, I'm just curious to know um, who's here and why you're here. And um, so how many people have studied mindfulness already? So how many people are new to mindfulness meditation, say less than a year of meditation practice? Okay, quite a few of you. Mm. And how many new, is this your first time to Spirit Rock? Put your hands up. Okay, great, welcome. 
And how many of you are here for continuing ed, for you're doing some sort of psychology or whatnot? Okay, great. And, um, well, why don't you, we just take a moment, just turn to someone next to you and say in, in 30 seconds or less what brings you to a day of mindfulness. Just turn to someone, person or two people, introduce yourself. Or talk to yourself. So anybody like to say what brings you here today? I'm sure there'll be a lot of common reasons. Just shout out. My daughter, she initiated it, so oh, it's yeah. another daughter day. And ah. I'm grateful for that. Great. So your your daughter inspired you to come. Great. Good. What else? Reasons for being here today. You're obviously talking about something. Maybe the weather. I don't know. <laughs> Fork in the road. Okay, so we often come to meditation because we're in a fork in the road, right? And we want some deeper um, clarity around that. Yep. <coughs> Anybody else? Clarity around focus and concentration. Clarity around focus and concentration. Mm-hmm. Yep. I find sitting with a group is so much, um, it's really fortifying. Mm-hmm. Just sitting with a group is more fortifying, more energizing. Yeah, definitely, it's why we have these days, because there's a, there's a group feel that we create that's more powerful for meditation. Anything else? Yeah, the back. You're teaching mindfulness to fourth graders. Wonderful. I'm so happy that you're doing that. Great. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And the last workshop was mindfulness. I was like, this is so bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but I've never been to Spirit Rock, so I'm happy to be here. It seems really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Great. Anything else? Yes. Just a comment. Um, I, when you were talking about Time Magazine, I'm noticing how you know, I, I'm familiar with this a bit. But at work, they are making it more like a fad. So it's a module for... Computer learning and it really does hold a good flavor on it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's become, right, so the comments about um, being part of the, becoming faddish at work and part of protocol and um, which has it, it's a mixed bag um, when you're actually told to go meditate, <laughs> told that you have to do mindfulness as part of your job training or as your psych development or whatever. It's a whole different ball of wax. I generally refuse to teach classes where people are mandated to come because it's that it doesn't work, you know. It really is a voluntary uh, practice and, and, and it's depth, it's, and, you know, it's a spiritual training. Um, so, mindfulness. What is mindfulness? Anybody like to say? Many of you, sounds like teaching, studying, what is mindfulness? How would you describe mindfulness? Observing your thoughts. Observing your thoughts. Uh-huh. What else? Being in the moment. Being in the moment. Look at that mother-daughter team. Just go. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> right on. <laughs> what else? Yes? Letting go of distractions that you don't need. Letting go of distractions you don't need. Mm-hmm. Greater connection to self and everything else. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's a paying attention to sensations and other things that are arising. Paying attention to sensations and other things that are arising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all these pieces are aspects of mindfulness. Mindfulness is one of those words that's really hard to define. Mindfulness is a translation of a word called sati. And the, the more technical definition of that word that scholars are now using is present moment recollection. Present moment self-recollection. Which is not something that we normally use in our normal parlance. I mean, of course, we weren't using mindfulness 30 years ago in our normal parlance. So, um, but it's a, it's a clarity of knowing what's happening in the present moment. So it's a conscious of awareness of what's happening. So there, you know, there's no, there's no one definition that really works. Um, so we'll t- I'll talk, we'll talk about the facets of a jewel. But it's particularly this quality of knowing that we know. Right? It's raining, and we might be sort of sort of aware that it's raining, sort of aware that there's a sound. Mindfulness is knowing that we're hearing the sound, right? which is very different than just the sound being background. You're kind of like, oh, spaced out. Yeah. It's knowing that we know, homo sapiens, and twice knowing ones, knowing that we know. Right? So it's really the essence of our human nature, is to be conscious that we're conscious. Yeah. And so, um, this is an important, essential life skill that we have some of, and we uh, uh, don't live in that space. We space out a lot, is what we do. We check out, we think, we daydream, we fantasize, we th- you know, many ways to not really consciously be present to what we're doing. Like if you think about your drive here, 
right? How much of that, you know, especially if this is routine for you, driving up 101, up for Francis Drake or wherever, how much of that were you present for? Right? You were clearly aware, otherwise you would have crashed, but how much were you knowing that you were driving, feeling, how many, how many of you felt the steering wheel, the temperature of the steering wheel, or the back, your back against the chair, or the foot on the pedal, or the smell in the car as you got in, or the quality of the air as you left the house. Right? There's just innumerable things to be present to that we, that, that some part of our sensory process notices, but we're not consciously aware of that, if that makes sense. So I think driving is a good analogy because we so often drive somewhere, we get there and we go, did I come, did I come the back way? Did I come over the bridge? Did I, I don't remember the bridge part, <laughs> right? So we were clearly pr- you know, aware, but not consciously present. Right? So, this is partly what we'll be developing today, is this capacity to know our experience, to be, to be there for it, right? fully immersed, engaged, connected to what's happening. Right, so we'll do an example. So put your hand in the air, move it back and forwards, right? and now close your eyes and slow it down and feel your hand from the inside and slow it down and feel every micro movement of muscle, of air, bone, skin, energy, pulsation, vibration, tingling, weight, density, texture. Put your hand down. So what's the difference between the first way of doing it and the second way of doing it? Any difference? What's the difference? Mindlessness. Mindlessness. Mindfulness. Versus mindfulness, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know some love you just going, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and then you slow down. It's like, oh, right, you get present for that ex- experience from the inside. Don't have to close our eyes and slow it down, but it helps. Don't have to sit in a meditation posture to cultivate mindfulness, but it helps. So there is some interesting uh, similes that the Buddha used for mindfulness that I like a lot. So I'll be drawing a lot. You know, Spirit Rock is a center in the Buddhist tradition, and the teachings of mindfulness come directly from the Buddha from a a discourse called the Satipatthana, which means the four foundations of mindfulness. And um, not in that particular teaching, but he gave these similes for mindfulness, and they they help illuminate different perspectives on it. So one of the perspectives is he compared it to being like a watchtower, standing at the top of a watchtower, looking down and being able to survey the whole domain of the land, right? So sometimes it gives us this sort of overview of our experience. He compared it to a surgeon's probe that's very microscopic and very detailed and precise and, and attentive. Right? Sometimes, it's, sometimes it's vast, broad, sometimes it's very focused. Compared it to a, my favorite analogy is um, 
a cow herder tending to his cows. So, and in India, you see this a lot, in, in the, in the full simile is a cow herder who's resting in the shade, again, resting his back against a tree, surveying his cows. So he's not like with a stick beating them and harassing them. He's very relaxed, he's very present, and he's watching them because the, 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 the cow herders have to watch the cows don't tread into the farmer's fields. So he's present but relaxed, relaxed and alert. And this is, I'll be saying, talking about this a lot today, relaxed and alert. Um, and another important quality of mindfulness, which isn't so emphasized in, in, in the more mainstream secularizing of teaching of mindfulness, is it's a gatekeeper. And mindfulness is considered a gatekeeper to the mind in that um, one of the points of mindfulness is not just to be aware, but to, to cultivate, to understand what, what brings happiness or well-being or peace and what leads to stress and pain. And so mindfulness is the gatekeeper that's tracking what we're doing and saying and thinking and how we're acting and um, being cognizant of when and what leads to distress and what leads to peace. So this is, this is the, really the function of mindfulness. Aside from being aware, it's in service of wisdom. It's in service of happiness. It's in service of our well-being. Right? That's the point of it. And you know, too often in what I, when I'm hearing mindfulness taught in a secular way, it's, it's, it's about paying attention. Well, it is, but it's a lot more than paying attention. It's paying attention for a specific reason, not as an end in itself. It's, to, it's in service of our freedom and our happiness and our well-being and peace of ourselves and others. Right? So uh, we'll do a little exercise and um, to illustrate a very important point in mindfulness. And the, it will, it's a one-minute um, practice we'll do. So don't change your posture. Just stay exactly where you are. And the instruction is to not be mindful. To not be aware. To not pay attention. To not notice anything. And not make any effort. Okay? On your marks, get set, go. <laughs> See what happens. Eyes open, eyes closed, doesn't matter because you're not paying attention. going to ring a bell, which you won't notice because you're not being aware, and it's a, to end the meditation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
you noticed. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you failed. <laughs> so what did you observe? Comments? Yes. you noticed hearing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yes. I noticed that you couldn't really uh, be unmindful because you had to be mindful to make it happen, kind of. <laughs> focusing on something and you were watching, so that was a kind of unmindful mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> so the comments you're noticing, it couldn't it's impossible to be to do that because you have to be mindful to be unmindful, basically. Yeah, good. At the back. It felt like waiting. It felt like waiting. Uh huh. What were you waiting for? Just waiting. So you you were aware of waiting. Uh huh. only she had her iPad here, it'd be easy. <laughs> but then you'd be aware of your iPad. <laughs> yeah. I found it pretty easy to just get lost in my thoughts. So you notice it's easy to get lost in thoughts, right? Which is what we normally do. So, um, so you're aware of your thoughts, though. Yeah? Yeah? Yes, at the back? You're enjoying noticing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, the back behind you? I have to keep moving. Yeah. You have to keep moving? I have to keep moving. Why? I think I've been sitting for a long time. If I, if I sit, it, in, it just seems to induce the mindfulness. So I literally had to move my body, move my eyes. Uh-huh. Um, um, just rapidly. So you were mindful of moving? Yes. Okay. Yes, at the back? So, uh, agitated. Agitated. Okay, so you're aware of agitation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why were you agitated? It felt like I had to think about something. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Uh, very easily uh, reactive to any sound or any movement anybody else is making. So, so you're aware of and reactive to sound. Does so anybody get that this is impossible? <laughs> this is basically an impossible task. Uh, it's impossible not to be aware because we're always aware. Awareness is always aware of something until we die, and then who knows what happens. Um, that's a nature of consciousness. The nature of the mind is awareness. Awareness is always aware of something. Even when we sleep, we wake up and go, oh, I had a good sleep. Oh, I had a terrible sleep. Awareness pervades in different states, even in comas. People, I've talked to many people, many friends even, who've been aware in comas, even though the, the, the monitor's registering brain dead. Awareness is aware. This is the good news. If, if awareness, one translation of sati, mindfulness, is 
awareness, clear awareness, which is actually my preferred translation. If awareness is the is the what arises out of mindfulness or is the foundation of mindfulness, and we're always aware, then this is good news. Right? If you want to be mindful and we're always aware of something, right? So what's the problem? If we're always aware, <laughs> why are you on a mindfulness retreat? <laughs> so because there's a difference between awareness in the way I'm using it, awareness and mindfulness, as in, as I just described, with driving or listening to sounds or sitting on a bus or walking the dog or whatever mundane routine activity we do, stand in the shower, we can be aware, but we cannot necessarily be consciously present to what's happening. So our body is registering the heat of the water, right? And our brain is sensing the, you know, all the visual spatial things that need to go on when we drive, but we might not be consciously present to that, right? And that's what we're cultivating in mindfulness, is, the, is the, to be consciously present to what's happening. Right? So in that exercise, often people report, oh, I was more aware doing that than when I'm meditating, because mm-hmm. I wasn't actually making any effort. Because right? if you just, if you know, if you just relax and don't do anything, you don't even have to relax, you just don't do anything, we start to notice, oh, I notice the sounds, I notice the color in the room, I notice my aching body, I notice... I'm hungry, <laughs> right? Doesn't take a lot. Just have to. Just, yeah, we just sort of drop in, just relax, really. Uh, yeah, it's not hard. Right? Mindfulness is not hard. Remembering to be mindful is more harder. <laughs> right? Once we, once we, once I say be mindful, be present, it's like okay, can do that until the next thought about work pulls us off and then we're, we're, we're fixing our you know, work problems or relationship problems or our money problems or you know, uh, what movie we're going to see tonight. So you know, mindfulness is a present moment orientation. Right? Because we so easily leave awareness of the present moment to some future past imagined reality, right? It's where we live a lot of the time in our thoughts. So we get to play with that today. And we get to see where do I go? So there's this great cartoon I came across. There's a woman standing in line and the bubble, thought bubble is, it's a long line. She said, you know, I want to be present, but not here. Like more like <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> You know, so we want to be present to what we want to be present for, like the good stuff. <laughs> and then when it's boring or difficult or painful or distressing or stressful, we're like, no, nah, I'm going to check out. I'm going to fantasize. I'm going to just not be here. Right? And life goes by because there's, you know, there's a lot of life that's not so interesting to the mind, so fun or exciting or stimulating, like the breath, for example. You know, in meditation, not the most exciting of objects. So what do we do? We space out. We start thinking about something fun. So we practice mindfulness 
because of that, because of that lack of present moment groundedness. We practice because we have a distracted mind. We have an untrained mind. Most of us have untrained minds. Some people have trained their mind with either meditation or with some discipline, whether it's uh, you know, playing an instrument or art or writing or somewhere, some, you know, in, in, some, you know, in your work as a therapist, you know, sometimes we, uh, our life supports a training of attention to some degree, which is a good thing. Um, but for most of us, our minds are pretty, pretty uh, untrained and undisciplined and all over the place. If we really were honest and take a look, which we will in a minute. Uh, we cultivate mindfulness to develop self-awareness, self-understanding, understand who we are and what's happening in this very complex, beautiful mind-body process. What's going on in, in, our, in our emotional life? For most people I work with in my therapy practice or students, not so easy to be with emotions, especially difficult emotions, the sadness, grief, loss, fear, deficiency, emptiness, helplessness rage, terror, annihilation, abandonment. Right? A lot of human emotions are not so easy to be with. Like mindfulness actually gives tremendous capacity. It's one of the key skills we develop is emotional regulation and emotional self-awareness, which gives us tremendous facility so we can be with our emotions and not be so reacting and rejecting of them and actually allow them to inform us and enrich our lives. It's a beautiful, essential skill. And we cultivate mindfulness because we're, we're suffering, because we're unhappy in some ways. If you were all illuminated and at peace and happy, you probably wouldn't be here in this building, <laughs> which we are in the process of building a new one. Very happy to announce, well, most of you know, but um, we'd be doing something else, probably. So mindfulness informs you know, I once was with this teacher and he said, how many of you have spent t- the last 24 hours completely unbroken at peace? <coughs> Where there was no interruption of your happiness and well-being and peace. There was not, you know, a rush for the raise of hands. And he, was, he wasn't talking about five years, he was at 24 hours. It wasn't a big deal. You know, this is in Sausalito, you know, it's like the heaven realm, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and nobody raised their hand because of the internal stresses and pains and struggles and you know, human life, right? It's just kind of stuff. So mindfulness helps us understand and navigate and be with that and, and, and to see what's interrupting my well-being, peace. And that's the point of the Buddhist teaching, understand why, what, what interferes with our, with our well-being and happiness. So one of the beautiful things that arises out of the practice um, is, is an enhanced awareness, enhanced capacity to be present for life, both the, both the beauty and the sorrow, but particularly to be touched <coughs> by life. And there's, there's a million moments in the day that we can be touched, but we have to be present. As they say in Vegas, you have to be present to win. You have to be present to be aware and to be touched by the beauty of life. Like the, this day to me is just gorgeous. You know, rain, cloud, mist, the green, the vitality, the smells, the, the 
colors. You know, I took a hike yesterday and there was pouring rain. I went up this hike, Steep Ravine. If you don't know it, go there. It's fabulous. Wild gushing brown waterfalls and moss was like leaping. Ah! <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, and, I, and so I do a lot of my meditation outside. I do a lot of my mindfulness practice outside because it's so enhancing. Right? It's, so, it's a celebration of life. Beautiful. Why wouldn't we do that? So I was once, um, I once, I teach a class here called uh, Essential, now it's called Essential Buddhist Teachings, it used to be called Essential Dharma. And a student was here, uh, and she came because she was about to get fired from her job. She was uh, um, a very intense job working with, uh, in, in, in psychiatric care for homelessness, for homeless folks. So a really intense nursing position. And the stress and her life and everything, she, she, she was not doing well and people were finding her very difficult to be with. And so she came here sort of as a last resort, which a lot of people do. Like, oh, maybe I'll try meditation. Maybe that'll help or fix me or something. So it was a 10-week course. It was a three, ten, three, three courses of 10 weeks. And she did the first 10 weeks. And after the end of the 10 weeks, people at work were saying, who are you? What's going on? You seem different. You seem, you're just much easier to be with, less reactive, and I forget, well, I forget exactly what they said, but um, by the end of the year, she got glowing, you know, rep- you know uh, appraisals and, uh, what do they call those? Review. Reviews, year-end reviews, and, um, and her life had transformed. Um, because she'd worked with what the challenges and the internal stresses were in her life. So I'll say a few more things and then we'll um, do some practice. So there's a lovely quote from Jung, Carl Jung, great psychologist, who said, one doesn't become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. This latter procedure, however, is disagreeable and therefore not very popular. So when we come to meditation, and I notice this a lot now because I, I teach mindfulness in various companies and Silicon Valley and elsewhere and, and university or in a healthcare setting and um, where they've been reading Time magazine or something like that and where mindfulness is somewhat more pitched as it will make you more productive and more resilient and more happy or more, you know, and which it can. And, but... There's, it's, does, it doesn't just do that. <laughs> it, it reveals everything, right? So it re- makes the darkness, the unconscious conscious, which may mean we start to feel stuff we not want to feel, stuff we've run away from, stuff that we've repressed, stuff that's difficult. Right? And we may think, oh my God, I'm starting to see all this neurosis and stuff and pain and just mental angst and neurosis and I'm, I'm becoming a terrible person. I should stop this meditation nonsense. But actually, no, it's just revealing what's really going on in a, in, you know, in a deep, on a deeper level. And it's easier to come to meditation with the idea, I'm just going to, you know, like the ads, you know, you see them meditating like this. In bliss, they always got a big smile. You, you know, even on the, on the Time magazine, she, this woman, woman meditating, she wasn't doing this, fortunately. We, media is evolving from this to actually, she looked like she was meditating, but she was like, you know, like divining with this, the... Sake, you know, having lunch with the divine. Mm. 
which we can in meditation. That's a part, beautiful part of meditation. But often it's, it's more just confronting with who we are, where we are, which is life, which is, you know, sad, happy, joyful, depressed, mean, frustrated, bored, angry. So mindfulness is, um, if anything, I think of it, I like the language of it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a welcoming awareness that is able to meet any experience as it is and allow it to be. Right? So I'll be encouraging you today, to, as, as, as you bring awareness to yourself, to meet whatever's here and allow it to be. It was easier said than done because we want it to be Nice. We want it to be fun. We want it to be happy. We want it to be blissful. We want it to go fast. <laughs> or whatever. So there's a, um, a poem that um, uh, this Zen teacher Hogan Bays wrote in uh, honor of his teacher, Harada Roshi, who's a wonderful Zen teacher. And this, this poem gives a spirit of, the, of this, this orientation of mindfulness. It says, I vow to choose what is. If there is cost, I choose to pay. If there is need, I choose to give. If there is pain, I choose to feel. If there is sorrow, I choose to grieve. When burning, I choose heat. When calm, I choose peace. When starving, I choose hunger. When happy, I choose joy. Whom I encounter, I choose to meet. What I shoulder, I choose to bear. When it is my death, I choose to die. Where this takes me, I choose to go. Being with what is, I respond to what is. Being with what is, I respond to what is. So sometimes people talk about mindfulness as the appropriate response, the appropriate response to the moment. Well, actually, it's, which is really not technically, it's, it's, it allows an appropriate response to the moment. It's the awareness of, the allowing of, that allows the wisdom to respond appropriately, if we're going to be technical. So, um, there are innumerable kinds of mindfulness meditations. Some of you, I'm sure, have done many. Um, <clears throat> and there are... You, there are um, one way of dividing up the, the whole meditation domain is in awareness practices and concentration practices. Mindfulness integrates both. And so this first meditation we'll do um, will be uh, drawing on uh, uh, what's this, this quality called samadhi, which is this unification of mind. So usually our mind's very scattered, right? If you notice that, you're working on your, on your desktop and you're, you're writing an email, but you're checking the weather and then, oh, something else pops in, you get a tweet or you look at that and then, oh, what's, uh, what's, the, you know, what's the weather like in London? Oh, God, it's sunny, great. <laughs> right, this is our it's scattered, it's constant partial attention is the phrase that um, is really describes how we live, constant partial attention. We're driving, but we're on the phone. We're eating, but we're reading the newspaper. We're talking, but we're thinking about something, or we're tweeting at the same time. Hopefully not, but sometimes. Um, so we first, um, so we'll do a mindfulness of breath meditation, which is a simple concentration practice. We use mindfulness and concentration to steady and focus the attention to bring it to a single point. 
We wander off, we space out, we think, we fantasize, we get lost, we come back. We fall asleep, we come back. We space out, we come back. We get reactive, we come back. We just simply gathering, gathering, centering, focusing, settling, steadying, calming the attention to one point. Okay? And then we'll talk about that. So 